heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland Today on the 27th of April. Ben Dobbin with you across the Resonate Broadcast Network for the next hour. So much to get through this morning and a very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Through 4SB in Kingaroy, good morning to 4ZR in Roma. Hope you're well in Roma this morning. Charleville through 4VL, 4HI in Emerald, uh, go the mighty Emerald Rams, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charter. Towers and the Hot Country Network. Spotify is where you'll find our show. Ben Dobbin, Rural Queensland Today, it's there and you can download it anytime you like. And also, um, we're happy to catch up anytime or anywhere you want. You can get in contact with me. Uh, it's so easy. Ben Dobbin at ruralqldtoday.com.au. So much to get through on this very, very uh, busy, um, but you know, obviously a lot going on uh, Thursday morning. It's the 27th of April. We're going to talk with Robbie Catter. We're also going to talk with Rob Moffat um, and Butcher's Crowd, which is unbelievable. You want fresh seafood delivered to the bush? That's where it is. He's, um, they've got beautiful, beautiful meat and seafood. We'll catch up with them as well. We're also going to talk a bit of racing. Andrew Watts, if you know him, he's the voice of the bush, president of the Longreach Jockey Club. He's calling a lot of races over this weekend with Bark Alden happening and so much more. We'll get to that as well. Very special night in the rugby league tonight as well. Um, the Paul Green medal. Uh, the Cowboys taking on the Sharks, and that is just a iconic game. But the special part of is Paul Green obviously playing not only for the Sharks and the Cowboys, but also coaching the North Queensland Cowboys. They play for the Paul Green medal. Amanda, his wife, will be there. His two children will lead the sides out tonight, and it is a very, very special, special tribute to them. So I really am thinking a lot of everybody. Um, I understand that uh, it's a it's a sad and emotional night, but I think it'll be well worth it in watching that. Bit of news for the Reds. Um, we obviously uh, need so much to get going with the Reds, but Harry Wilson, um, who is a cold hero to a lot of people, he has re-signed for two years. So that's a great news story. Harry Wilson re-signs and he is a big part of the Reds moving forward. So despite the fact that Brad Thorne has moved on, Harry Wilson, he stays. Um, so much to get through. We'll do a bit of a rugby wrap tomorrow as well. And obviously we'll look at the Broncos and the South Sydney Rabbitohs tomorrow as we march towards a big show, rural Queensland today. Let's get into it. Robbie Catter joins us next. Rural Queensland today, Robbie Catter joining us, 27th of April. Ben Dobbin with you this morning across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Rob, good morning. How are you, mate? I'm terrific, Gobbo. Can we talk about the Longridge Pastoral College? I know all week I've been upset about it, but it, 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 it to me represents so much more than just the debacle that it is. Um, we've seen a company, um, Gary Edwards and the AAM Investment Corporation, obviously come in and with nine different rural pastoral um, companies come in as a consortium to try and change the way and the fortunes of the youth of Queensland and Australia. Their bid was far more than any other bid in the way of 14 million plus and they still didn't get it. They still didn't win and there was no consultation. They just were informed. There was no sit down. There was no meeting. A debacle is one way to describe it, um, but it, it represents so much more in my eyes. 
oh, it's incomprehensible. Um, and I mean, the farce of all this was that you had the government saying, we're going to sell it because there's no industry demand for it. Then an, an industry syndicate comes back and says, we want it because we see need for it. So you'd have to ask the question to the government, well, was this just an intentional asset sale from the start? Or was it an attempt to further undermine agriculture in Queensland? And Or is it just bl- blind incompetence? But it's got to be one of the three. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's just tragic that we lost such a great asset from Queensland and people crying out for skills. And we see this all, all the time in Western Queensland, Dobbo, where Gets a bit hard for them. They can't find a position, someone to fill the role in the office. And their default position is, well, let's close it down. Yeah. Not let's make more effort to, you know, get them a better house or let's encourage more people to use this, the partial college program or let's try and improve what it offers or, you know, none of that. It's just let's always in Western Queensland, it's let's just shut the thing down. And, and there's so many dimensions to this of, and, and whether it's incompetency or just, pure, um, you know, attack on uh, rural western areas. I'm not too sure, mate, but um, it tells a story, doesn't it? It tells more than a story. Uh, it, it shows a pathway of where they are long term. Um, I'm really concerned that the likelihood of this, and, and there was the feedback, they just didn't want it to be another training facility. Well, why not? Where is the training facility? We spoke with Mike Gearin yesterday, uh, the GM of AgForce, and he, he was like, mate, we we are not the people to have to train the future. And that's where that their, their sphere is that they're trying to get an, uh, a training facility sort of up and re- operational because there's no other pathway. Then you've yeah. got this group who are, you know, we know Hewitts were there. We know that there was 3,500 um signatures from locals. We know NAPCO were involved. We know AA Company were involved. There was – a lot of big, big organisations, the Hughes family, a lot of people involved, yet that would have shored up the work, that would have shored up the next generation of training. It gives everybody an employment path and it puts money back in that town. There is young men and women living in Longreach doing what they should in that town, yet we can't get to – we can't see it. We can't even. We can't even begin um, to even uh, understand how this works. And th- and that's the question that I'm that I'm struggling with. That's that's the big one that I'm struggling with. How the hell do we move forward from here and trust them? This is just another nail in the coffin. Yeah, the whole thing has been curious to me from the start because um, you know I was met with you know a little too much silence from everyone and. Um, uh, bar the media, really. Um, yeah. And uh, look, it, it's out of my patch, but I obviously take a big interest in it because it's um, it's pivotal for training in, in Western Queensland. That um, it, I, you know, going moving forward, though, it's just I think it's it's something that certainly caught my attention now because uh, I, I thought the whole thing was dead and buried, and um, it's you know it's a big proposition when you're taking on the government to try and resurrect something when there's no one to take it up. Now that you've got some proponents willing to take it up. And they don't want to know about there's it. A fight to be, yeah. yeah, well, there's a fight to be had now, a political fight to be had. So uh, I'm certainly interested now. I hope there's others and because there is a way of resurrecting this. And um, like you said, there's there's no other alternative sitting out there. And, and I mean, that's just 
it's blind stupidity when you've got the infrastructure there and you've had that social infrastructure as well around it, that people who are accustomed to living and working out of there and, um, you know, what a great thing for that town to have. Yeah, so, you did uh, right. They are bringing on a fight, mate. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, mate, we spoke with Ernie Ernie Camp the other day about the floods in the Berkshire. You've been up there. Yep. You know how little has been done. He he was talking to me. He, he just said it's unbelievable. He said, we, we, we've had no support. You're sure there's some funding about rebuild, but there's been nothing done from this government in the way of trying to get them back on their feet. Now, you called on this last week in Parliament. You've spoken about it. it, it I, I don't understand why we don't look after our own. I, I don't get it. Yourself have been yeah. up there. Susan McDonald's been up there. There's been... A lot of the opposition, but no, 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 no. Where's Anna? Where, where's no, Anastasia? Nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah, I think I've been up there four times now and uh, uh, taking people up there to, you know, get interested. And um, look, you know, there's there's goodwill there, but goodwill only is just words unless it manifests into something um, tangible. And um, that's been the big problem. And I, I've got to say, um, it was... You know, people, Ernie was down in Parliament with us last week. And, yeah, a lot of people giving you meetings are nice, but, and probably the best meeting was with the Premier, but um, he seemed to take a fair bit of interest in what they needed and um, and about progressing it. But, crikey, I mean, you've got to give these people some hope. <laughs> you're down and out, you've been busted on the canvas and yeah. uh, you're trying to pick them up. And you want to you want to give them some language or zero in on something that you can deliver, and say let's work on this one. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I'll give the premier credit. That was probably the one meeting. Well, I was the only one I attended, but it's the one that seemed to give them the most sort of optimism, where there was a, a bit of interest in what they need. So what they're focusing on mainly has been um, the road, the creek crossings. So and not not even big bridges or anything, just um, upgrading with culverts or raising these causeways. So that um, you know, uh, Dormagee can go through the Northern Territory. All those stations along there aren't cut off for another four months in the future. Um, now that's stuff we should be doing anyway. And, and Christ, hey, if they if they can do two point eight billion dollars on the Gabba rebuild and seven point eight billion on the Cross River Rail Tunnel, surely they can find a bit there for um, people in the Gulf and Northwest Queensland, and, and in the wake of a tragedy. So very disappointing this point. Although, yeah, there's been little tidbits for um, residents in town and that sort of thing, but um, for the bigger people, and then federally, Dad's been having some frustration um, federally with, you know, um, the pastoral industry. There's been some massive losses there, but no commensurate um, out to try and um, get them back on their feet. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit frustrating at the moment, and uh, there's a lot of work to be done there for us. Robbie Catter joining us this morning. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. We're going to take a break and come back and continue our conversation. So much unrest in this state. Uh, Robbie Catter joining us this morning on Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back. Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin uh, across the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's the 27th Thursday morning on Rural Queensland Today. Robbie, can I just ask you, uh, from a, um, from a, we understand all that, but from a, uh, you know, your electorate, w- w- the crime has got to a point, uh, you know, speaking with people in Toowoomba, I was speaking with a police officer in Toowoomba uh, on Saturday and he just said, mate, he said, we've got kids walking in with machetes 
just into houses demanding keys. He said, and it's not just from Toowoomba, it's everywhere. Every single town. We saw a police officer get goaded by some kids in Dolby. He was off duty. He reacted. He'll lose his job, um, unfortunately. Um, I, I don't agree with him headbutting a, 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 a juvenile, but, I mean, he... he I could talk all day. Everywhere we are, there's crime. Now, you, you've talked about this, but am I right in saying that the LNP sided with Labor when you tried to get your motion put down to try and get a solution to youth crime? Because we've had David Christopher on here and he's preached that, mate, we need to stop it, and, and I like David. But yeah. am I right in saying that the LNP showed their true colours and sided with Labor off your policy. Well, yeah, that's that's true. And, yeah, I like those as well, that um, it is what it is. They did, they did uh, well, they failed to support our motion. They said they did put an alternate motion to say that instead of relocation, we should do a start. We shouldn't do anything until an audit's been done on other type programs like this. But, you know, my response is that sounds a bit too much like Labor, saying, oh, let's, let's do a study and, you know, just kick it down, down down the road and not do anything. Uh, you know, the reality is we just need something, some affirmative action. You need some program. I mean, you can talk about breach of bail and potential well, They're all good, but you need something tangible that is proactively takes these kids out of where they are and, and moves them. And, and Cleveland-based detention centre is the only option at the moment. That's making them worse. That's turning them into harder criminals. So, yeah, we've, we've talked to an awesome about relocation sentencing, turning the kids' bush uh, to facilities, and uh, that was the first time it's been tested in Parliament. And uh, it went down. Labor, of course, sided against it, and LNP failed to support as well, which effectively makes them on side with Labor on that issue. And sure. um, that was bitterly disappointing. And maybe it's, it's becoming normalised out here. I had a friend talking to a friend yesterday who owns a tourist park out here, and she said, "Well, the only positive thing is now that everyone used to turn away from Mount Isa because it, that they heard the crime was so bad, but now they know the crime's that bad everywhere that um, you know it's not a deter- as much a deterrent just for Mount Isa now because it's becoming." And that's what I've been saying all along. The big fear is that it becomes normalised everywhere and the government gets off the hook because everyone just gets used to these levels of crime. I mean, you, you talk about your mate headbutting. I've had um, a friend or her partner and belted some girls up, which, you know, a terrible thing to do. Well, no, but, you know, put in context, these two young girls from Cross Road had stolen the car of the girl that lived with them, uh, a real battler, her 12-month-old um, ute, and... Um, they chased them. They went looking for them that day. Belted the two girls, which they shouldn't have done, of course. We and uh, but they ended up. The girls got no charge, and they had to pay them each two thousand dollars cash. And you know, you say, well, people shouldn't do these things, but people are angry. And the, the longer you d- take to say, do something about all this, you're going to get more of these incidences. And it's um, yeah, I mean, it's just so sad watching Labor. Um, they only put one speaker up against their motion last week. So the biggest issue in Queensland at the moment, and they can only raise one speaker, Leanne Leonardo, to speak against it. Just absolute disgusting, mate. And, um, uh, yeah, it makes it makes it uh, look like a tall mountain ahead to climb on this. It really does. Um, I, I don't know I don't know how, how a lot of people um, can actually in any way sleep at night, and I mean that because – the, the, the responsibility of a parliament is to make sure and protect th- their electorates and the people of this state, and that's not happening. 
Um, and yeah. it's just not happening. Quickly, mate, um, the Julia Creek Dirt and Dust Festival, um, It was you were there last weekend. Yeah. Look, it, they've done a good job in getting it back on track. How was it? Oh, mate, I just live for those events. They're just fantastic seeing all the young country kids. And when I say country kids, that's from the towns as well. All just getting there, having a great time, and you know, people from all over. And yeah, the bulls were brilliant, and it's a terrific bull ride. And I miss the horses at the buck jumping, but they, yeah, just a great event, mate, and one of the best we've got out here. And just a great little town, Julia Creek. Great people. I don't want to get too negative, and I, I meant to bring this up, and I'm really sorry for the late notice on it. But yep. um, the DAF office out of Cloncurry that closed yep. down. Yep. Um, there's been a a lot of emails come through about this. Now, yep. the state government shut this down and they have absolutely now put biosecurity at risk. Now, yep. they've bought 10 new online regional offices late last year, um, you know, but the, the regional offices that are the heart and soul and the footprint in the towns are no more. Now, the Cloncurry is a proud town. It's a great town. It's in your electric. I, I, I can't get over that they've done this. I, 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 yeah. I, for the life of me, don't understand it. And to me, it's just another thing. It's just another yeah. bloody issue. Yeah, it's just like your pastoral college, and I'm, I'm really glad you picked up on that issue. Like, it's, it's, it's huge. In the, you know, in the face of um, lumpy skin disease and foot and mouth disease uh, confronting Australia, and that's the northern frontier uh, through the Gulf there, and talked about ten new offices, but we've had a decline along the Flinders Highway, along the Gulf. There's been the decline in offices, so um, there's scarcely any left. There's whilst there's one uh, retiring in in Cloncurry, and they're trying to replace. So, and um, and when I say the offices closed, it was closed because that admin was away or something for a couple of days. But and they'll get an admin back, but that's an admin office. So we want biosecurity officers, and. Um, I just beg his belief that, um, and that was right at the you know, time of the National Camp Draft as well when you got horses from all around Australia coming in. So, um, yeah, mate, the, the 10 new ones, most of them went down um, south and southwest. And um, last time I checked on the map, that's not the frontier for lumpy skin disease and, and um, foot and mouth disease. So they've got a huge job. And, and Dobbo, if they can find police and school teachers to go to Cameron Downs or Kynoona or, um, you know, Doomagee, they can find biosecurity officers to man an officer at Cloncurry. It can't be that hard. It's just like the Longreach Pastoral College. If it, you know, if they want to do it, they can keep it open, but uh, their default is always just shut things down. You're dead right. Appreciate your time this morning. Uh, it was a big one for you. There's <laughs> a lot to go yeah, on. No, it. It's, it's just good, a worry, mate. We're going to take a break, come back. This oh. is Rural Queensland today. Rural Queensland today, it's the 27th of April with Ben Dobbin and let's talk a bit of racing. Let's go to the voice of the bush, Andrew Watts. He works for 4LG. You know him well through Longreach. He's president of the Longreach Jockey Club and also a extremely talented race caller. You would have heard of him many, many times before and he joins us this morning. Wattsy, good morning. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, morning, Dobbo, and uh, things getting real busy uh, with bush racing, um, lots and lots of stuff happening. Yeah, you're certainly right. Talk to me about the, how was Cunnamulla and Wondai, the Anzac Day races, obviously a lot going on there, and but you really marched towards some big races over the weekend. Yeah, big, big, um, big uh, day, Dobbo, as we know, um, Anzac Day, a really important 
part on the calendar, if not one of the most important days on the calendar every year, and it's wonderful. Uh, race clubs get behind this. Um, Diggers Day at Wandai was was a good day, and uh, I was fortunate enough to, to go down to Cunnamulla, and nice and windy conditions down there at Cunnamulla, but uh, look, it was a, a pretty successful day uh, all around. Uh, the club do a wonderful job down there, um, a hard-working committee, and uh, probably one of the highlights of the day, uh, Dobbo, a young trainer out of Cunnamulla by the name of Monique Gavin, um, trained her first double, and only her second and third winner respectively so um, she's had a, had a big day but this weekend's huge uh, we see Quilpie return to racing um, they had a few issues last year with their track it's all up and going uh, the Grigory Downs up in the far north uh, it's probably most it's our no, most northern western track the Gregory. I think it's yep. three or four hours from uh, Mount Isa up there they do, they do they've and that's an important day of course for their community who had those horrible floods uh, only a couple of months ago and uh, the community up there working tirelessly uh, to get that track up in order uh, we've got the Tree and Knowledge Festival at Bar Calden. Um the Tree and Knowledge Cup worth $30,000 in total no prize money Eighteen thousand to the winner. So great job to Willie Chandler and uh, the new Barcourt and Race Committee there, um, putting the the money into it. And uh, the trainers have certainly arrived. Uh, we've got the Country Cups Challenge with an Echo Point going around there. Second up uh, tomorrow uh, on Saturday, so that'll be a big day. And iconic meetings, Dobbo. We always talk about these. Um, yeah. I, uh, all the time and uh, two of these Mount Garnet Racing uh, their two day carnival also Tower Hill now these are the grass fed picnic races yeah, um, I know the Tower Hill mate you, I've been to Tower Hill before unbelievable and look they're a two day meeting and I'll tell you what you're bashed yeah. up if you're there as a spectator by the end of it mate you're, you're dusty <laughs> yeah. by the end it's a big show I'm doing a hit and run mission I'm going to go in Friday and uh, head to Barcald and Saturday, Saturday yeah <laughs> Uh, again, though, uh, it's the first of the two legs of the grassies. Um, they head to Corinna in a couple of weeks' time up near Prairie. So um, it's great for all those um, amateur trainers, amateur jockeys, and, and people just want to go and have a good day out in the bush. Yeah, you're dead right. Um, Gunda Windy, tell me about Buck Alden and, and, and you talk about the Battle of the Bush and, and, and that, that competition, Queensland Racing, have obviously they've launched that again, and that that will obviously take place. So... Barcaldon with the Tree of Knowledge Cup, it is an iconic race meeting and to have that kind of prize money in the bush, I mean, we've got to thank um, Queensland Racing and, and the government for, for obviously coming to the party with this, but you've also got this amazing challenge now with the Battle of the Bush. Yeah, the Battle of the Bush, um, it's pretty exciting. We've just seen uh, the first couple of heats roll out. We saw Messini um, take the first heat and uh, hard stride, both horses who have been there before. But the concept of the Battle of the Bush, I think into its fourth or fifth year now, has just been a it's been a revelation for butch racing. Uh, the fact that you can turn up on Group 1 day in Brisbane um, – and race for a total prize money pool of $200,000. It's life-changing um, for a lot of our bush participants who do it part-time, Dobbo. You know, this isn't this isn't their full-time job. So putting $116,000 in the cannon kick uh, for doing something you love, it's wonderful. It's a, it's a great opportunity um, to have a, a crack at the, um, at the city riches. Look, it's still in its infancy, and I still think there's a few tweaks that can be made to the series, but, you know, it's a positive. Um, there's eight bush regions in Queensland, um, both with two heat. Um, next week's the first one in the Central West with um, Longreach hosting that. Uh, Quilpie have a 
uh, Battle of the Bush qualifier this weekend, and they just sort of start filtering out from here. But yeah. um, it's exciting times, and um, it, it is just wonderful for bush racing. Of course, on top of that, later on in the year, we have the Country Stampede and the Country Cups Challenge. So it's three opportunities um, for bush trainers to have, have a shot at the stumps at this wonderful prize money. Yeah, it does. Well, mate, there, there is a shortage of jockeys, though, at the moment, and this is something that that is a concern. We've seen it. There's shortages everywhere, but is there an angle for Queensland racing and maybe, you know, you know, just to try and have a look at this? You know, with Racing Queensland, what they want to try and do is maybe create a pathway where apprentice jockeys go to the bush and do their trade and hone their trade in the bush and then obviously they can come back. So you, you're getting some better jockeys, some more talented, like doing an apprenticeship in the bush. Yeah, that, that's a hundred percent right, and I think that was one of the the key points. We did meet with Racing Queensland, a few of the um, Western stakeholders. We had Dan and Keith Ballard in on the conversation, the likes of Jay Morris from Mount Isa, um, and a lot of club presidents and, and people that are involved and, and talked about the different things that can be done with this. And at the top of the list was the the country service. You can always almost call it Dobbo, where they might have to ride twenty winners before they're a um, available to go for their provincial license because at the moment they can just slide into that provincial. It's a sort of a second tier um, provincials, your Warwicks and your Gattons. So your, your jockeys in the southeast corner where they're mostly based aren't coming out this way. So if you take that away and, and not force the issue but make it happen um, is going to be a positive. I think the other couple of issues that, that could be addressed is some sort of zone payment to encourage the jockeys to come out here. I don't know how travel rebates would look because someone like Emma Bell, which we use as an example, Emma's based in Clermont but races in the Central West every week. So that's a 10-hour round trip to Longreach from Clermont. But we class her as a local in inverted commas, so someone like Emma would need to be uh, eligible for these rebates as well. And I think scheduling's a big thing as well. Like uh, over the Easter weekend, we saw nine country meetings on Easter Saturday. You've probably got to look at the calendar and think, well, can't we split them up weekend. a bit? Can't we split them up a bit? It's a yeah. long weekend. Can't we get it yep. so we can have it so there aren't people away visiting school kids, you know, doing stuff, you know, long weekends when yep. it, it, it's not a practical thing. And that's your calendar is one of the really big issues in the bush and some of the big challenges that you have. It is. And look, some of the bigger clubs, and, and I, I talk about uh, your Romers, your Charleville when they get up and racing, your Longreach, your Bark Alden, uh, Emerald, Mount Isa, that might have to say, right, well, for the good of racing, let's race on a Sunday this week. Okay, we're not going to get the crowd, but we do get good payments by Racing Queensland. They understand we're not going to get a crowd. Here's an extra payment for your racing on a Sunday. And then, you know, you're creating a little bit of a Saturday-Sunday circuit around the bush as well. So there are a few things that can be done, but a lot of it comes down to clubs willing to make a change and and do a couple of other little things um, to help alleviate this problem. And Coolpie's the perfect example. I think on last count, there might only be five jockeys going to Coolpie this Saturday. And it's a big day for them, and it's a shame that there's not seven or eight. You know, it makes the racing so much better. Yeah, you're dead right. You're dead right. Hey, um, great to chat. Um, we really appreciate your time. Charleville Racetrack, work um, on it. Where are we at with that? Yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a um, a bit of a sore point for people in the southwest. I know this time last year there were upwards of 40 horses in work in Charleville with no track. And, look, we're staring down the barrel of um, two years without a track and, and they finally um, – 
this is after the $750,000 debacle at the first uh, attempt where the, the track basically got washed away. And um, I think it, it was a joint project between Merway Shire and Racing Queensland. And they've come to an agreement now that it, it's going to be done. Um, the rails have been pulled down, but there's another stop in works now too. So um, I know talking to um, Mayor Zorro uh, over the course of the last couple of days, I, I know they're frustrated because they, they're all on board. They all want to go forward. They all know how important racing is to Charleville. And um, they really hope it's up and running for Cox Plate Day to give them a soft opening before their big day, Melbourne Cup Day for the Charleville Cup. But we've got to keep an eye on that as uh, time progresses, yep. although because uh, a bit of rain or a bit of poor weather or another hole's in works, um, you know, we don't want to be here without that track uh, for much longer. The southwest needs it. Yeah, you did right. All righty. Well, we appreciate your time, Wattsy. Andrew Watts. Uh, look, he's the voice of the bush when it comes to race calling, president of Longridge Jockey Club as well. And this weekend, so much. Tower Hill and Mount Garnet on Friday, but then Barcald and Tree and Ollage. You've got Gregory Downs, their annual meeting uh, cup day, the Gundawindi Cup day, and you've got the Battle of the Bush qualifier out of Quilpy, Tower Hill, and, and obviously Mount Garnet day twos as well. Big weekend of racing uh, across rural Queensland. Thanks so much for being with us this morning, mate. Thanks, Dobbo. Good on you. We'll take a break. Rural Queensland today with Ben Dobbin and we come back with more. It's the 27th of April uh, on Rural Queensland today. On Rural Queensland today, it's the 27th of April. You're with Ben Dobbin across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Rob Moffat is the co-founder of Butcher Crowd. And what is Butcher Crowd? Well, uh, it is uh, a really, really good organisation that's encouraging Australians to be more conscious of where their food is coming from and to make better choices for their families, the animals and the Aussie farmers. Now, we all know where we're talking to that when the pandemic hit, that it really put us in the, in the spotlight. And for once, for once, we were valued. And I'm talking about from the metropolitan areas because they understood that without us, and that's the Australian farmer, they didn't have the supply chain of food. We work tirelessly day in, day out, yet we can't get the coverage and the minorities come forward and next thing you know, everybody's talking about ethical standards and all this other rot that just doesn't add up. Well, there are people who are trying to make a difference. Rob Moffat, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, good morning, Ben. It's lovely to, uh, to join you. It, it, it's a really... It's a really difficult topic to have a conversation with and, and we're all singing from the same hymn book here, but... I've never met a vandal of the environment or, or a cruel uh, ag- person in agriculture. I've met people that love their animals, that preserve the land and that have a story and a connection to the bush to try and make it a better place and feed the nation. Yet we are constantly having to try and sell <laughs> sell the story because of other areas and in a lot of ways that we probably need to educate make the people in the metropolitan areas and the cities have a better understanding of just exactly what goes in every single day and what decisions they can make that are the right way, that what they're doing is making the right purchase and they are buying from the right supplier. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you've touched on many different topics there, but but they're all really relevant. Um, I mean, as a starter, um, you know, as you've well pointed out, it's the, the farming um, industry is the, the backbone of our food supply chain. Um, you know, they've had everything thrown at them over the last 
been particular the last three years. It's been it's been horrible. Um, but it's shown how tough and resilient the industry is. They've stood up and um, and kept the food coming. So it's really important to to obviously note that. But in the industry, there's really two types of. You could break it down into two specific types of farming. You've got intensively farmed operations, um, which primarily focus on maximising profits and production volume, which normally restrict the movements of the animals, and, and they are confined to, to areas, um, you know, also known as factory farms. A lot of the times, they are owned by large corporations. Um, you know, the big boys own them, um, and, and it um, probably leaves about ninety percent of the farmers um, out of outside of that. So majority of our farmers are not yeah. intensively farmed um, operations. They're actually good old fashioned ways that's been done for, for generations, which is And the right called. way. And the right yeah. way. Yeah, yeah we don't get a voice. Right. We don't get a voice. We hear about these you talk about chickens and you talk about this intensive and it's cheaper. That product's cheaper. 100%. Well, why can't we why can't we uh, why can't the government step in in some ways? I, I understand what you're saying, and it's so right. Pay a bit more, but sleep well at night. That's the that's the that's the honest thing because that's the bottom line. You pay a little bit more, a fraction more, but you know then where your where your product's coming from. You know it's ethically right. farmed. You know it's been delivered in the safest possible way. You know that there's no cruelty. I'm not saying that these other places are. I'm just saying yep. it's better, and it is better. And this 100%. is the thing. This is the thing that we. There's only so much banging of the drum we can do. Yet, <laughs> yeah, we've got to have somebody from higher above be able to come in and say, "Hang on, there's a cap on this price. This is the minimum you can pay." Right? We're not going to yeah, be bludgering right. chicken to the point, or you know, cow Absolutely. rumps, cow rumps that have come off grain, you know, grain-fed rumps with their cow rumps and their. Yeah, you know, five ninety nine a kilo. That's just throwing a figure out there. But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it just, there's got to be some sort of balance. Absolutely. And look, we're, we're trying our best as our um, as our business to, to do the best we absolutely can. Um, it is hard work, um, but we are getting there. Uh, the results that we see is uh, there is more um, and more people willing to 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 back us. You know, and if they've got a good reason to like, if we're doing it in, a, in the right way, which we do. Um, people are always happy to support that, um, and people are at the stage where they're getting sick and tired of um, being dictated to by the big boys and saying, "Well, this, you walk into the into the grocery shop and it's this is what you got. Uh, you can't ask anyone any questions. Like, what, where did that chicken come from? What was it fed? Was it was, was there antibiotics used? Um, was there any other supplemental food used? Like, it's all these important questions that um, consumers need to be able to ask. Um, and that's just chicken. Um, I could go into, you know, beef, lamb, pork. It just doesn't stop. And it's the questions like that that we need to be asking our meat retailers. Like, is the meat grass-fed, grass-finished? Because there is a big difference between grass-fed and grass-fed finished. It's it's chalk and cheese. Um, you know, there's it, the lamb is exactly the same. Pork was a humanely raised. Was was all of it humanely and sustainably raised? These are the tough questions that we should be asking the meat retailers because. Unless we all, as consumers, put pressure on um, the retailers that are selling, it's, it's not going to end. So that's why we do our best that we can. Um, we, we be as transparent with everything. Um, everything is grass-fed, grass-finished. Everything is uh, sustainably and humanely raised. It's uh, pasture-raised. You know, we, we're trying to push um, against the, <laughs> the, the mainstream, and it's, uh, 
we're getting there slowly. So, you know, with Butcher Crowd, you're working overtime and you're trying to gather a collective. Are you seeing a pathway? What would you like to see from Butcher Crowd? Look, what we uh, we would we would love to supply more people. We've got a really strong um, distribution model. Uh, we can deliver to ninety six percent of the Australian uh, in, in terms of population. Um, so we've got logistics covered. Um, we've got a great product. We've got thousands of customers that already support us. Um, so it is a subscription model, uh, which means that you can um, order with us once, and then that will reoccur. The next month, you can set your frequency to, you know, whether it's a two weekly or four weekly or every two months. But you've also got the flexibility to skip boxes and, and pause as well. It's, it's totally up to you when you receive these, these goods, but it's so convenient that it can turn up, uh, ordered online and it turns up at your doorstep. Um, that's, that's the big thing that, that we're seeing and people are, are loving the convenience of that. Um, so because of the, the delivery scope and the convenience, we are seeing a lot of people joining us. Uh, but it's more than just the convenience. It's actually people believe in the values of ours as well. It's, a, it's shared values. And that's what we're sort of getting at is, is, you know, find a retailer that you can actually, that, that buys from Australian farming families that actually, they're not going through four people before the meat gets to you. Make sure that that's going direct um, or as direct as possible. Um, to the farmers. So they're actually getting paid for the fair work that they've put into raising those animals. Um, but that's the big thing. Really start to ask those tough questions and know and understand um, in the in what scope is the meat retailer in? Are they just a middleman? Yeah. Um, or are they going through four wholesalers? Or is it actually um, they go through direct to farmers and producers and, and source those products and offer it to everybody else in the country? Yeah, well said. Hey, I like this. Can people find you? Where can people find you? You got a website? Absolutely, Ben. Yeah, if they want to learn more, head across to um to butchercrowd.com.au and they can learn more with a trusted source of high quality meat and wild caught seafood to thousands of people. I love that. I love that. Rob Moffat, appreciate your time, mate. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Ben. Good on you. Rural Queensland today. It's the 27th of April. You're with Ben Dobbin across the Resonate Broadcast Network on Rural Queensland today. Well, that's it from us here this morning. A big show for you on the 27th of April, a Thursday morning on Rural Queensland today with Ben Dobbin. So much uh, to get through continually and we work hard to try and keep you updated with what is going on and the big issues in our state. We love talking to you on a daily basis and the big thing about it is that we can move forward uh, and make sure that we are representing our people and that's you. Have a great day. Remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We're back tomorrow morning from nine on Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Ray Hadley joins you next. Till next time, stay safe on the roads and it's bye for now.